0: Hi everybody welcome to the May 11th 2018 edition of Colorado Inside Out I'm your host Dominic Dizzuti thank you very much for joining us you may have noticed a fresher look now and that's due to our major studio upgrades we installed last week because of that big HD makeover we've skipped last week's taping and of course everything happened in Colorado so we have a lot to get to let's jump right in we're gonna introduce our panel to get right to the topics so let me introduce officially we have Patty Calhoun from Westward David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School, political analyst Eric Sonderman, and attorney from Tech Rock, Penfield Tate. Let's get to it. Employees of the Denver Post continued protests of its hedge 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 fund owner, Alden Global, this week. Demonstrations at the Denver office and at Alden headquarters in New York called for the sale of the paper. Meanwhile, editorial page editor Chuck Plunkett resigned, in addition to longtime editors Dana Caulfield and Larry Rickman. Dean Singleton also resigned from the board of the paper, and Dave Krieger was fired as editor of the Boulder Daily Camera after speaking out against Alden as well. Patty, this has been absolutely amazing to watch these last couple weeks. Uh, Major players leaving the Post, uh, a firing of Dave Krieger, protests in front of headquarters. Take your pick. What are we to, to make of what's going on right now at the Post?
1: Well, it's all bad news in the news business. The protest in Adams County really didn't affect that many people because no one sees the Denver Post up in its printing plant where it's now located. But it's been a wild ride for a month now since Chuck Plunkett led the editorial page, the perspective section, talking about why news matters. He wasn't fired for that, but... He wound up uh, getting disappeared because he wanted to write another editorial, and this time they had put him under rules. He had to run it by someone because he didn't have a publisher who would look at it before. Um, So he left last week right as we weren't taping this. Two really good, experienced editors left in disgust at the same time. And Dean Singleton asked that his name be taken off. He's gone now too, and he gave us a great interview just talking about how bad it is there and how shameless Alden Global is. Now, unfortunately, he actually was the person who wound up selling the company a uh, majority of the company to the people who are involved with Alden Media, but Alden Global is like honey badger. It Alden Global just doesn't care. So, they were shamed at a protest in New York City because of course it's not just the Post and the camera involved here. It's papers across the country that are being decimated. And people may not like the Post, but they will sure miss it if it's gone because Where do they think news reporting comes from? You might get it on Facebook, but someone has to originally report it. And the Post is doing an incredible job in very, very tough times.
0: David, I saw a variety of things on social media that talked about the argument of what is the better way to support the Denver Post. Is it to actually join a boycott and and, uh, cancel your subscription, assuming you have one, or is it to keep supporting because you're not just supporting Alden Global, but you're supporting the, the workers who are still trying to put out a great paper, doing their very best. I, I didn't know where I fell on that. When you saw those kinds of arguments and other issues, what did you think?
2: I, I think there are good arguments on, on both sides of that. Um, for me, actually, my post-subscription has expired, but they, they keep on sending it to me, as, as often happens. And as I've, I've gone to renew... I just can't get over this, the sort of final insult to injury they add, which is their contract term says, and for the privilege of you getting the Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving newspaper, full of ads, we're gonna charge you extra for that and we will shorten the subscription. So when we say we're selling you a year-long subscription, we actually intend to cut that uh, because we're giving you the privilege of buying this Black Friday uh, full of ads thing and other special issues they do and you can call and opt out of it, but for me that's just the last try. I can't count the lines, so I'm working on ways to try to get real news and, and pay for it without in a future where the Denver Post is becoming less and less. Uh, I'm a paid subscriber now to Colorado Politics, a great weekly paper that, of course, has online updates all the time, and I'm... Uh, reading the Denver Business Journal now, and, and we're, we're flirting, and I'm going to, they're eventually going to get me uh, to put down real money and pay for that. And, you know, the, the business coverage in the Post is, is now close to useless, so the Denver Business Journal does has with Ed Sealever among other great writers, lots of good stuff. So we got there's a good source for politics and government, a good source for business news. And in terms of the sports reporting, which the Post still does a respectable amount of, um, you can get that from lots of other places, including uh, the CBS Sports app uh, that I do, which gives me more Rockies and uh, Avalanche material than I could possibly dig- read.
0: Probably a good time for us to ask the CBS Sports app of an underwriter of uh, support of Inside (laughs) Out. Uh, Eric, between the ideas of uh, how to protest as a citizen, I'm also wondering if there's more conversations and perhaps an office that includes Phil Anschutz. Because if right now there's editors dropping like flies, resigning, i got to believe if you wanted to maybe not so much buy the post because if Alden Global's not going to sell, you can't buy it, but if you're going to bolster another option, This seems like a right time, but I'm not a billionaire,
3: so I don't know how to exactly handle these things. What about yourself? What do you think? Not a billionaire, either. (laughs) And if I know anything about Phil Anschutz, it's that he keeps his own counsel, plays the cards very close to the vest. I mean, there have been so many rumors about his interest in the Post or his interest potentially in an alternative to the Post if the Post, if when the Post truly craters. Uh, if I know anything about Phil Anschutz, it's that he's a master at uh, picking up distressed properties, but he picks them up on the cheap, uh, and the, the Alden boys are not willing, at least at this point in time, until it gets much, much worse, to sell cheap, and I'm told the difference, you know, we're not talking about a $5 million or $10 million difference that can be negotiated. We're talking about a 70 or $80 million difference between Perhaps the ballpark in which Anand shoots might be interested in the ballpark that Alden is dreaming about. Um, we'll see. Use the word bloodletting. That is the accurate word of, of of what is going on here. The people that were lost are really good people. Uh, Dana Caulfield, in particular, somebody who I, I've, I just think is an editor, has been an editor's editor, uh, and, and is lost to the paper. Obviously Larry Rickman, obviously Chuck Plunkett, who we've talked about before, Dave Krieger. Uh, run the list. I do not know when a downward spiral becomes a death spiral. Uh, They are clearly in a downward spiral at this point for the reasons David talked about, but the content of the paper is thinner and thinner all the time. There are more and more alternative sources, yet subscription rates go up and up, so fewer people subscribe, so they therefore can charge less to their advertisers uh, and, and receive less advertising revenue. And it just can and therefore there's less content, et cetera. And and it just spirals down and the spiral is picking up speed and I don't know at what point it becomes irreversible.
0: Penn, as you see the variety of responses, you saw employees at the New York headquarters, you saw employees here in Denver. We've seen a variety of comments on uh, from the people who resigned. In fact, it's a, it's a good time for me to remind our viewers John Caldera is going to have a, a great interview with Chuck Plunkett right after this episode, nice. so if this topic is of interest, you're going to want to stay tuned for that at, at 830. Penn, as you see the various responses, I guess, what's your response as a community member, uh, an influential community member, That what, what is the best move to respond?
4: You know, I, I think if you were holding out hope that things were going to get better at the post, you now realize you, you are deluding yourselves. Uh, the, the Alden gang has made it clear they're going to try to wring as much money out of the post as they can. The irony is, going back to Eric's you know, description, uh, there's no way I- anyone steps up and wants to buy this because they're asking too much, and by the time they become more reasonable with the price, there's not going to be left, anything left to purchase, so no, not Phil Anschutz or anybody else will want to step in. And so what many of us are doing is we're beginning to terminate our Denver Post subscriptions. You know, you can get the New York Times, you can get the Washington Post if you want a broader perspective, Denver Business Journal, you've got Westward, um, you've got Colorado Politics, and frankly, you've got a lot of the other local neighborhood newspapers that sometimes give you a better flavor for the zoning and land use and other issues taking place in the area where you live, and they're all free. And so, you know, we've, I think we've about reached the point um, where the death spiral, it's begun and we're well in the middle of it. Um, I don't know what Alden's long-term play is. Maybe they just want to go bust and then file for bankruptcy and walk away from any debt they're carrying, like with pension programs or something like that and call it a day. But I, I think if you're responsible, if you care about the post, it's probably time to give up the ghost,
0: um, cancel your subscription, and go do something else with your dollars. Colorado lawmakers closed major deals this week, passing the much-debated transportation and parabels. Senate Bill 1 will provide $495 million for road improvements, bridges, and alternative transportation projects in its first year. Meanwhile, a last-minute compromise was reached on Senate Bill 200 regarding the state's public pension system. David, it was a fast and furious end of the session, and usually with an election year, there's a little bit more battling and maybe you know, a, a lot of headlines, but not a whole lot getting done. This last week was a little bit different. We saw two major bills get to the finish line. Your thoughts? Well, as in
2: uh, marriages that have their ups and downs, it's easier for people to get along in the end when there's a lot of money uh, for them to uh, spend. Uh, and that was certainly true in, in, in this session. There's a They ended up having a lot more money than they expected, certainly back in December. Uh, the improving economy uh, and the... Uh, 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 tax reform uh, that passed nationally has a secondary consequence because it changes um, most people will get the vast majority of people are getting a significant federal tax cut but by changing what is federal taxable income and expanding that Colorado's taxes tax system starts with what is your federal taxable income and so that, that actually is going up and so there's a big windfall the way they spent it uh, was, of course, not in compliance with the Constitution, which says when you have a surplus, you ask the voters uh, for how to, can we keep it or would you like the money back as, as a tax refund? And, they've of course, they had a, a bipartisan uh, consensus not to do that. Uh, their reform of, of Para, the employee uh, retirement account for uh, state employees and also for uh, teachers, was a good baby step, Para is on its way to bankruptcy, it is not going to be able to pay the very generous uh, pensions that it has promised. They made a little bit of progress, uh, including raising employee contributions, huge increase in state contribution. That, that's going to help some, but it, it's, it's only a first step, uh, and Paris still is in serious trouble. They allowed new employees to have direct contribution plans, like an IRA or a KEO which is great, then, then it's their money right from the start, except thanks to the teachers' union, teachers get excluded from that. Another case where teachers' unions don't represent the interests of individual working teachers.
0: Eric, you've been our go-to on para-issues uh, for a while now. Uh, what did you think of the grand
3: compromise we saw this week? I think it was, uh, I'll be slightly more positive than David. First of all, I need to disclose I've been involved in this issue professionally um, for a number of years. I have a definite viewpoint on this issue, which is that the system is badly, badly troubled and is needed reform for some period of time. Uh, Kudos to the people who carried this bill. This was a heavy lift and a really thankless lift. There's really no constituency out there that stands on chairs and tables and applauds you for fixing para. And whether it was Jack Tate in the Senate, uh, who obviously has been the subject of other conversations, but he did very well by this bill. Casey Becker, the majority leader in the House, and she was the one really on the hot seat given the susceptibility of Democrats to pressure from the teachers union and other uh, Casey Becker stood tall on this issue and has a political future. Uh, if we're giving out plaudits, we also ought to give out a few barbs. Chrysantha Duran, the Speaker, who is now exiting as Speaker, uh, did not distinguish herself in any way on this bill uh, and on a number of other bills, uh, wholly owned uh, property of, of of union interests and other establishment interests. I know um, Chrysantha Duran hopes to have a political future, whether it's as mayor of Denver or potentially even a challenger to Cory Gardner or whatever, and uh, she better broaden the constituency beyond the very narrow constituency she's been representing. Uh, there is no way, when you're in a $32 billion hole, which is probably closer to $50 billion, but we'll go with the $32 billion number, that's more than the entire state budget for a year, and that's Pera's own number, as the hole they've been in. There's no way to fix the hole without more money you know, you'd like to have other things that don't cost money. There's no way to fix it without money. So money was going to be required. David's point about the defined contribution plan is absolutely right. If it's good enough for a court bailiff, why shouldn't it be good enough for as an option? It's not a requirement, it's only an option for a new teacher. And then the last flaw that remains and was unaddressed in this bill is they are still basing all these numbers on an anticipated rate of return of 7.25%, which is probably wildly optimistic in the post downturn times and if they don't meet that number then all the other metrics go out the window pen you've been part of these uh, flurry of bills at the end of a session as a former
0: state lawmaker uh... did this feel any different and what did you think about these two bills we've been discussing
4: um, it didn't feel any different the only thing that surprised me was that the general assembly did not push one of them a week or two earlier and get it off the table so that they could focus more on the other one i think quite frankly they needed to spend more time with the transportation bill than they actually did Just a couple things I want to talk about with regard to PARA, and and sort of as disclosure, as a former legislator, I'm a PARA member, and as an attorney, I have represented PARA's interests before. What Coloradans need to understand is the fundamental issue with PARA results, or is the result of two things. Number one, governors and legislators, whether Republican or Democrat, for decades have intentionally underfunded para. There's this whole concept of making the actuarially required contribution to the fund on an annual basis. Historically, Colorado has never done that. We always put the money in other places. So the fact that there's a gap was known to everyone who's sitting there now and the people who preceded them so that's no surprise number two the other thing that happened is with the downturn um, uh... the economic downturn in 08 and 09 with some of the federal legislation we changed how we measure solvency in funds and so para like other public pension funds are graded more rigorously than they were before and so based on those metrics the grades have dropped just because the curve has moved even though the amount of money in the fund relative to what's owed hasn't necessarily changed. So keep those two things in mind. That being said, where the legislature ended up was a start at beginning to, to fix PARA. I would offer as an aside three years ago, there was a bill that would have gone far further, but Walker Stapleton showed up on the Mike Rosen show and then cratered his own bill that he'd been working on for two years that could have fixed the problem. So that's PARA. In terms of transportation funding, I think many people are surprised that uh, Democrats in the legislature did not push for new revenues in Senate Bill One. Instead, deferring to the measures that the chamber is putting forward, which are now going to be competing with the measure that John Caldera will have. But that only relies on existing revenues, not new revenues. So it, it was an interesting session.
0: Patty, the finale of these two big bills. What do you think?
1: Well, first of all, you see the problem the Denver Post has, our old print media, because. So much action happened in the last hour that if you read the Denver Post on Thursday morning in print, it was all out of date. But they also did good reporting online. But you didn't just have those bills. You had the Colorado Civil Rights Division waiting to the very, very last second. And finally, it had been the object of a lot of conservative scorn, pulled out. That's continuing. It's an important agency. You had beer at the very last second, a little reprieve for mom and pops. Um, PERO, we had written a lot. David Sirota had done a piece in conjunction with us. It's not just the $32 billion shortfall, but it's the amount of money that's gone in fees to Wall Street, Wall Street firms and that's not disclosed. So at the last second, there was a slight opening of transparency, which is good. We need much more transparency in, at the legislature and in government in general. Um, the transportation bill that it actually made it through as it did was kind of a surprise and not even at 1159 which is pretty much when we got para (laughs)
0: 1159 is right Uh, let's get a very quick take on this one since we need to get to our disgrace a little bit early the 2018 legislative session ended on Wednesday and was quite eventful to say the least sexual harassment claims turned the capitol on its head from the expulsion of representative Steve Lebsock to the removal of Senator Randy Baumgartner from several Senate committees Cayman reporter Bente Berkland was responsible for exposing many of the claims. Uh, Eric,
3: your uh, quick take on this. I'll be very quick. This session, in years to come, will be remembered for that issue, and probably that issue only. Yes, we tackled roads, para, other issues, but this will be the trademark of the 2018 legislative session, and the MVP award for this legislative session goes to Bente Berkland.
0: Penn, uh, we haven't seen anything like this. Well, I guess we had, I should shake it the back. There, there has been a representative expelled before, but it's been a long, long 100 time. 100 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, this some, is this a session people are going to remember?
4: A- absolutely, and, and you're right. Um, kudos to Ben to Berkeley, and that shows you the importance of a vibrant, free press in a democracy. You need that role. Um, no, the expulsion, the allegations, the, the failure to respond to certain things, all of that is going to be what this session is known for, and it's unfortunate because when you, when you were there, you could see it was impacting legislators' ability to connect with one another and with folks in the lobby and with other constituents, and, and that's a disservice to all of Colorado.
0: Patty, what do you think?
1: Well, it's too bad they didn't finish coming up with the new protocols. We need more transparency, but a lot of it's pretty practical. Keep your hands to yourself and figure out what bathroom to use.
2: (laughs)
0: David, wrap it up for us.
2: Colorado, even with all this, seems better than some of our sister states like California um, and New York for the uh, shenanigans um, involved. Uh, It turned out there were some accusations that turned out to be very well-founded and had a lot of supporting evidence, and others against other legislators that were uh, pretty thinly sourced and and turned out uh, not to be credible. And It's a tough thing for those legislators. However they decided, they're the ones who really saw the evidence and also had the the personal knowledge of the individuals to make their own
0: judgments about credibility and, and what to do about it. Well, will for a fair part of the show a little bit early this week. Let's get to Disgrace of the Week. And As always, Ms. Cahoon, please start us off.
1: Just when Mayor Michael Hancock thought it was safe to turn on television again, up pops oh. some bad behavior, not by the mayor, but by his son, Jordan Hancock, in a leaked video from the Aurora Police Department, is seen at 8 in the morning mouthing off homophobic slurs, do you know who my father is? Funny response from the police officer in Aurora who said, not in Denver and not in Aurora. He isn't, but um, do not take if your if your parent is in public office, do not try to play those connections. You know the only person who's been worse than that is John Boland.
0: David,
2: the Boulder City Council uh, uh, pats itself on the back all the time for how open-minded, tolerant, and diversity uh, it is, uh, but they are scheduled to pass next Tuesday, uh, hate legislation, uh, an anti-gun bill um, aimed at uh, Boulder's law-abiding gun owners, which, with any common sense they can tell, does nothing for public safety, uh, but makes Boulder a uh, hate city.
3: Eric? We could do a whole show of disgraces this week, but I will go, uh, since Patty hit uh, Jordan Hancock. Walker Stapleton, our state treasurer, leading Republican candidate for governor, is ducking and dodging a debate in this studio to be mm-hmm. co hosted by Channel 12 and Channel 4. You, uh, Dominic, as the producer, gave him, I believe, at least seven dates. To work with. Uh, All the other Republican candidates agreed. One of those seven dates was one that Stapleton's campaign had specifically said if you give us this date, we'll make it work. Then they backed out of that one. Uh, They clearly don't want to debate because they're the front runner. It's a tired old tactic. And I guarantee you, if Stapleton becomes the nominee, and then is trailing in the polls come September, October, he'll be in the studio desperate to debate. (laughs) Penn.
4: I'm going to go back to one of our topics. To Alden Global, Denver's an important city. We need a viable newspaper. Leave us alone. Just pack up and get out of town. um, Pick a price and go away. Time to see something nice. Patty.
1: Uh, Sunday is Mother's Day. I want to say a a happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially my mother, who is... um, Exploring this new world of being alone after the passing of my father, and is doing it with great grace under pressure.
0: Grace under pressure is a great way to describe your mom. Very good point, David.
2: President Trump for making the decision on the Iran deal, as the uh, John Kerry State Department said, that deal was not legally binding and it wasn't even signed. If President Obama had wanted to do some enduring change in U.S.-Iranian relations, then he should have negotiated a treaty that he could bring to the Senate and get ratification by the Senate rather than evading the Constitution and and building something on a, a foundation of sand.
3: Eric. Happy Mother's Day as well to my mother, who's a regular viewer of this program. Let me say something nice about Aurora, Mayor Steve Hogan. We received the devastating news this week that he is now under hospice care uh... he's been fighting this cancer for a handful of months speaking of grace under pressure the manner in which he is handling his uh... his coming demise unfortunately um, is grace Penn.
4: happy mother's day to my mother and all of her friends as well and also to, to mayor hogan i mean a man who's a wonderful man has been a great public servant in the legislature aurora city council and as aurora mayor um, uh, this is an unfortunate situation, um, but Eric's right. He is handling this with grace, which is how he usually handles everything.
0: Before we go tonight, we have a special treat for you. On April 30th, we visited the fourth grade class at Silver Creek Elementary up in the Adams 12 District, taught by Vincetta Yulberg. The class used our Time Machine episodes here in Colorado Inside Out as inspiration to do their own skits about Colorado history. They covered a bunch of different topics from when Colorado became a state to the impact of Japanese internment camps in Colorado. They did a fantastic job. We put all five skits on our website. It's on the Colorado Inside Out page. You can see all of them under our clip section. But we put together a quick highlight reel just to show you some of the greatness they put together. Check it out. We recently visited the fourth grade class at Silver Creek Elementary taught by Vincietta Yulberg. The class used our Colorado Inside Out Time Machine episodes as inspiration for their own skits about important moments in Colorado history. Here's a look at just some of their work.
1: Friends, thank you all for joining me, William Byers, and my reporter, Mr. Waters, as he collects more information on how Colorado became a state. I have invited Mr. Waters here today to inform people on this topic. Welcome into our house. I am Mrs. Gilpin, a business owner of a dry goods store. Nice meeting you. Well, hello. My name is John Evans, and he used to be the former governor of Colorado. Nice to meet you. Hi. I am William Gilpin, and I am the governor of Colorado. Nice meeting you. And, Mr. Byers, thank you for inviting me here today. May I ask a few questions? Yes, you may. Clara Cresingham, how do you feel about women getting the right to vote? I feel strongly about women gaining the right to vote because everyone has to follow the laws, including all men and all women. So, I believe that everyone who wants to should have a voice in making some of them. Mr. Hoover, how does the U.S. government decision impact Colorado? Well, the U.S. government's decisions impacted Colorado by creating jobs that have people build bridges, town halls, and swimming pools. Hi, I'm Robert Ginger, and I'm a reporter from the Rocky Mountain News, and I heard you guys are talking about the dust storms, so I come here to ask you a couple of questions. May I join your conversation? Yes, you may. I am Tom from the WPA. I have called you all here today to discuss the dust storms and come up with ideas on how to repair the damage and ensure this never happens again. Governor Carr, who is responsible for making this decision? Why was this choice made? President Franklin D. Roosevelt was responsible for this decision. This decision was made during World War II because the people on the West Coast were scared that all Japanese Americans were Japanese spies. So they put them in internment camps until World War II was over. I think this is wrong. All Americans should be treated the same, but I will do my best to make sure Japanese Americans are safe here.
0: My special thanks to everyone at the 4th grade class at Silver Creek Elementary. And again, you can see the full versions at cpt12.org on our Colorado Windside Out page. Go to the clip section. Be sure to check it out. I promise it will renew your faith in our future. Trust me. A special thanks to Vincietta Yolberg and her team of assistants and parents who made it all happen. That is all the time we have for this edition of Colorado Inside Out. Be sure to take CIO wherever you go. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. We are there. Also, check out our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For everyone here at Colorado Public Television, now in glorious HD, I'm Dominic (laughs) Buzzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the May 11, 2018 edition of Colorado Inside Postgame, a special web-exclusive production here on Channel 12. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Let's get a quick take on the 2018 Colorado legislative session that ended earlier this week. It was quite eventful, from revelations of sexual harassment claims to lawmakers passing major bills in the last hour. Panda Calhoun from Westward, there is a lot to dissect here. We did a lot on our show, but there's a lot more still left from a pretty eventful spe- session, especially during election year. Take your pick at the grab bag of available. Uh, actually, probably grab bag is not the word you want to use for now, this legislature Now in the session. Me Too <laughs> generation. <laughs> <laughs> your pick of the potpourri of topics. Well,
1: we knew that sex harassment was going to be a big, big issue this year, and the fact that we didn't quite come to closure uh, is disappointing, but in general it was handled fairly well except why we are still hearing about randy bob gartner and he's not out but steve lepsack is but he's no longer a republican so it's kind of no hard to figure democrat. out who, yeah that's right no longer a democrat i'm not sure if he is still a republican if they want him but there were a couple of other surprises that came along for example we passed who knows how a tasting room at cannabis tasting rooms that went through the legislature it hasn't been signed yet but the legislature did what a lot of municipalities weren't able to do and so if it really goes through all the way through a signature we will have places we've made recreational marijuana legal there will be places to consume it Um, it was the attack on the civil rights commission and yet more bills like trying to ban adoption by same-sex couples was it 1992 over again fortunately at the very end of the legislature the colorado civil rights um, division was saved, those other bills went down, and I have to say it was a surprise, the red flag proposal, which would have taken guns from people who were in imminent danger, and this was inspired by a very horrifying event that started December 30, in December 31st, right before the session started, and then also by the shootings in Parkland, looked like it was going to pass, but it didn't.
0: David Culpo from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. I know on this show we brought up your dad a lot because of his expertise, both in the Colorado Constitution and also how things go at the legislature. He was the go-to guy, just here's how things got done and how things were supposed to go. And this session being the opposite of a lot of that many times, uh, in both in the behavior and how the accusations went down. A- as you look at this session, what, what are the things that stand out to you?
2: Well, as, as he said in his book, which everyone should buy and read, of course, available on Amazon Kindle, uh, "Rules for State Legislators: Jerry Copel's Guide," which talks about also the last in the last few days of the session. Actually, the the rules of the House and the Senate are suspended, so anything can happen and and often does. Um, and this time, they they got some some good bills through. Uh, to, to follow up on some of the things Patty was talking about the bill there was certainly not a bill that would prohibit same-sex adoption which and that would obviously be I think unconstitutional under modern doctrine it did say that if you're a say a catholic adoption agency your view is that the best place people to raise a child are a man and a woman who are married to each other and that anything else than that is shortchanging the child of the probably two hundred adoption agencies in Colorado only a few of them, like the, the Catholics and some other religious ones, have that view. This bill would simply say we're, the state of Colorado would be willing to continue to work with the Catholics and the other religious ones who are going to focus on a married couple of two sexes uh, as opposed to the others. Um, the Civil Rights Commission uh, in Colorado has too often been an anti-civil rights kangaroo court, and the The concept of a Civil Rights Commission, of course, is very important, but it has to be something that is fair and that protects the rights of all the people, including the people who are accused of things. you you got that's part of civil rights, is being fair to defendants as well. And it was not, it was uh, the reforms that were ultimately enacted in it were a a good first step, but I think there's much more to be done to make it into something that is truly respectful of everyone's civil rights. The red flag bill. I support the concept, but it was introduced late and very, very badly written um, and horrible on due process. For example, it would allow someone's guns to be taken purely ex parte. Now sometimes you have to have a... Explain what that means. Ex parte means only one side shows up in court and says, give me a court order for this, and the person who's going to be the victim of that court order doesn't even have a chance to present his or her own side. Sometimes there are emergency situations where that has to be done. But this bill allowed it under any situation all the time, and that was absolutely unfair. I hope the legislature comes back to this next year with a much better written bill that is protective of due process and public safety.
0: Political analyst Eric Sonneman joins us. Uh, what stood out to you, maybe whether this, I was grateful this passed, this was good, or... Holy smokes, this was a stinker. Was there anything
3: like that, uh, whether it's bills or issues, that you'll remember this session for? Go slightly different, but I think I'll get to your question, Dominic. I I guess I have three headlines of this session, but probably in some order that they're maybe of more importance to me than some others. Uh, Headline one is obviously the Me Too movement. It came to a total culmination in this session it dominated the session. It will be what the session is remembered for in years to come. The Republic will survive without Steve Lebsock. The state of Colorado will survive without Steve Lebsock. I think we might be able to muddle through without Randy Bobgardner and a few others as well. But uh, ultimately, so much of this comes down to politics. It comes down to political constituencies, but it comes down to politics. And if the Republicans had had a 1916 or 2015 majority in the Senate, Randy Baumgartner might not still be a Senator, but at 1817 uh, he, he dodged that particular bill, at, or, though he paid other prices. Second headline for me is it, it was a session of prosperity uh, in the sense of usually, uh, you know, dating back to Bill Ritter, Governor Bill Ritter and others, these have been sessions of shortages. How to cut, how to put together a budget with uh, bailing wire and scotch tape and all the rest. This was a time where there was a bunch of money uh, to pass out, to hand around, to deal with the negative factor or at least start to deal with the negative factor on schools, to put into para, put into roads, and um, and fatten up some other budgets as well. And the third uh, issue that I, I've been directly involved in for a number of years is the para fight finally came to fruition. Para needed a bill. There are other elements, including some I represented on the reform side who wanted a bill, but para needed a bill because of how far underwater they were. And what they got, as we discussed on their show, Dominic, was uh, it was a start. And I'd say it was a credible start. And it was a start on which some legislators exhibited some courage, others did not. Uh, but uh, it is only a start, and there are big, big challenges that remain for this system. I go back to a quote from my mentor, uh, former Governor Dick Lamb. This was a couple years ago on a Channel 9 program. Kyle Clark asked uh, former Governor Lamb, uh, to identify the one issue that Colorado was ignoring at its peril. And without missing a beat, Dick Lamb just said para. Mm-hmm. It is because of the magnitude of that debt. Sure. Right at the panel,
0: Penfield Tate, attorney at tech Rock, also a longtime state lawmaker. And speaking of that, you have been around, you, you've seen the sessions, you've been there for the flurry of activity in the last week, seeing how this whole session played out. We saw a lot of headlines, but as a former lawmaker, what what stood out to you as memorable? You know, the, sort of Eric's list, but
4: uh, in a different order. Number one, you cannot underestimate the difference in the environment when you have money versus when you don't. I, I had the distinction of serving on the JBC when we were in some lean times, all self imposed, because in 99, um, we started doing a bunch of permanent tax cuts, and we basically bankrupted the state because we gave away revenue, we didn't have it available to fund things that we all on a bipartisan basis agreed we needed to do and and so it's a different dynamic when you're trying to do things and you're broke and everybody's bills are dying because the refrain is if we had money we could have a different conversation but we don't have money now it's just the reverse and actually some of the the elbows get a little sharper because there are actually the resources there so you can't kill a bill just by saying well gee we don't have enough money or let all the bills stack up in appropriation committees and kill them all at one time you actually have to make some judgments some decisions and approve some things and move forward and so that actually makes for a more difficult working environment secondly with the hashtag me too movement on top of that that just exacerbated the tension that comes with having a real stake over which to argue about things uh, and i do think the way the legislature handled all of this whether you're republican or democrat Uh, is not going to well serve the institution over time. Uh, At at times it got too nakedly political, and I don't diminish for a moment the fact that there are people who behave badly, and, and as Patty often says, they need to learn to keep their hands to themselves, and they do, but the way that I think the legislature dealt with this was troubling. They should have put all of the protocols and processes in place first and then dealt with individual cases. But to many, it seemed like they were making it up as they went along. And sometimes it was done for political reasons. And we'll see if that comes back to bite the people who tried to leverage it or if it works for them. And third, because you had a bunch of resources, some good things got accomplished. Um, Eric's right. Para needed some help. And we all... More than anything, we needed the shot, spotlight shined on it so the people began to understand we need to start looking about this, ish, looking at this issue a little differently and coming up with a result. Uh, secondly, I think some of the work they did on the transportation piece was good. I, I'm not wild about where it ended up, but at least there was some con- conversation. I, I guess my greatest disappointment is I wish... In spite of all the rhetoric on the front end about how important the issue was, I wish we would have seen more done in the area of affordable housing, homelessness, and dealing with those issues from a statewide perspective. Most of it gets done on a, on a, on a regional, local level. There's a patchwork of ideas. But really for the state to continue to prosper and grow, and more importantly to manage the growth, we've got to address this housing dilemma on a more uh, broad basis,
0: a statewide basis, and we didn't really make progress there. That is all the time we have for colorado post game. Leave us a comment, tell us what you think. For everyone here at CPT12.org, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching.